This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks for joining me again on today. And of course, a special welcome to those of you who are listening for the first time. i uh, going to take a moment here thinking of that to give a quick shout out to folks at Students of UXD and the folks at Tech Elevator. I spoke for both of those organizations on last week, spent some time with a lot of folks who were getting on board with regard to UX. Uh, spend some time talking to developers who are just helping them out with their professional careers. We are all about helping people be better, helping people to make progress. We have said that several times and want some folks just know and understand. We mean it when we say it and we do what we can based on the bandwidth that we do have uh, in, in our in our schedules, the availability that we do have. Within reason, we try to do everything we can to help people to go forward. So we're going to dive in because there's so much to cover. And uh, this is another session where we'll be talking about uh, what it takes to be a UX professional. So this is the the next installment of, so you want to be a UXer? And we have a really long list of different tasks, responsibilities, deliverables, mindsets, personality traits. We're talking about a lot of different things going through the list of the 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 things that we do from a work perspective now. Uh, but we've been talking about a lot of things throughout the course of this series. I thought it was going to be really, really short. Initially, boy, was I wrong. And I think it's really, really important that we share these things. It's really, really important that those who are interested in being in UX have a solid, grounded, and realistic view of what they're getting into. A lot of people think that UX is really, really easy. It doesn't take anything, and they buy into the, oh, anybody can do it. And, you know, the person who told you that doesn't really do UX, so <laughs> so good luck with that. But uh, it is a, a grind, UX is a grind. It, it You have to have thick skin uh, because there's a lot of days that are not pretty in UX. There's a lot of days where you want to pull your hair out, so to speak, figuratively speaking, of course. You know what we mean by that? It, it can be really, really tough. You can go and get all the data in the world and people still won't listen to you. You can put your best foot forward. You can put the best effort into it and folks will blow you off because their opinion in many cases, means more than the work that you did and the, the validity of all the information that you've gathered doesn't mean anything to them. You're talking about addressing and managing bias. There's one that wasn't going to be in the list here, but we have to manage bias. In fact, we might as well just dive in here. Here we, here we go. And, and we're not doing recaps because there's so much information, but can you imagine doing your absolute best Proving everything to the nth degree and then having somebody basically shoot down everything you've done, completely disregard all of your effort, 
completely undermine all of the different things that you have done in trying to advocate for users and to be to look out for the best interests of the business. And then because somebody likes a particular look and feel for again, from a bias perspective, or maybe they've always loved orange. So they want everything to be orange, even though the, the contrast is off and the design is no longer accessible. These are problems. These are really, really big problems. And we have to make sure that we are in a position emotionally. That's why I talk about emotional intelligence. We have to make sure that we're in the business of remaining level-headed, that we're not going to take anything that somebody says, any rejection personally. We need to be grounded. We need to be sober. We need to be mature. We need to be professional. Can you imagine if somebody blew away all your work just because, oh, you know, my kid liked this. Can we go with this? Because my son would really, really like to see that. My daughter would really like it if we could put this on the site. Our vice president really said that he wanted to have this on there. I know it's not part of what we're working on, but can we include it some kind of way? I really like for it to be in there. And then it goes from, I really like for it to be in there to please make sure it's in there. And there's usually not a please that goes along with it. Can you maintain your sanity? (laughs) Can you maintain your sense of humor? Can you maintain a professional mindset? Can you continue to deal with these people in a respectful manner? Can you maintain your demeanor? A hothead cannot be a user experience professional. Simply cannot be. Thick skin is a necessity. You can't have an ego. We are not married to our recommendations. And I'll tell you a little story here too. I interviewed for a position at a, a very large company. I believe it's a Fortune 100, if not Fortune 50 company. And I was in the interview and I thought for sure I, I had this one in the bag. I place I wanted to work at for a very long time. And I'm finally going to get to the point where I'm going to get through this interview and, and we're going to be in really great shape. And everything was great up until this one particular part of the interview. Didn't get the job, long story short. I just thought to give it in from the beginning here. I go into a segment of the interview and I begin to uh, speak with one of the interviewees who was quick to tell me that he didn't know anything about design, not from a UX design perspective, and that maybe I'll be able to teach him some things. And he, he starts chuckling a little bit. And toward the end of the interview, when I mentioned something on the line of the fact that we're not married, UX designers are not married to our design. You can present something and people will just rip it apart and tear it down. It doesn't matter what you did. They just, you know, they just, for whatever reason, they don't, they don't want to go in that direction. It usually blows up in their face later, frankly. Um, but uh, and you have to maintain your cool. And I told this person that, yeah, you know, I, I know that I don't own the design. I know that my recommendation is not necessarily going to be adhered to. I understand that, but I'm going to advocate for the users. I'm going to be the expert voice, and then we'll manage everything. We'll cross every bridge as we get to it. And when I told that person that I did not own the design, he became livid. Now, one minute he told me he didn't know anything about UX design, and then when I told him something, 
about UX design, he proceeds to basically, he was one of the main reasons that I didn't get the position. Basically, everything with everybody else went great. But in that particular instance, not so much. And as I have said in a lot of other podcasts, and if you follow me in social media, uh, some somebody who got the position had less than half of the qualifications that I did. But they got the position because they were able to play games and play, you know, uh, get into the political side of things from a from from an interviewing perspective and start to start to uh, buddy buddy up with people. It wasn't they didn't get the job because they had the skill. They didn't get the job because they had the demeanor. And I didn't get the job basically because I did. Can you deal with that? This this is a reality when it comes to job seeking. And we were sort of really. Uh, going in a slightly different direction here for a few moments. You can do your absolute best and you won't get the job. You can do your absolute best and they won't like your design. You could bend over backwards and tie yourself in knots and folks will not respect what you do. And I know somebody always comes along and says, well, Darren, that happens with anything. It does, but we're talking about UX. We're, We're talking about people. So reel yourself in. We're talking about dealing with people who are changing careers. We're talking about people engaging in a discipline that really is roughly 20 years old from a mainstream perspective. And and people have high hopes. People are investing a lot. And we're just talking about UX. Forget about the other disciplines. We're not talking about that. They will take care of their stuff. We'll take care of ours. I guarantee you that those other disciplines, many of them are older than 20 years. And so we are in a very special position um, because we still have to, in addition to landing a position, in addition to cultivating your career, in addition to making sure that you are sending proper messages about UX, um, there is a, a responsibility that you have, whether you like it or not, and whether you sign up for it or not, Every person in the UX discipline is responsible for the overall perception of user experience. So at any rate, we'll leave that alone for now. <laughs> we'll get back to the list here. But please, if you're interested in going into UX and you're engaging in interviewing and things of that nature, keep a level head because there's a lot of things that are happening that make absolutely no sense. And you still have to like, Fall off the horse, get up, dust yourself off, and get going again. That's basically how it works. So a uh, little pause for the cause, a little digression, because somebody apparently, I'm thinking somebody needs to hear that today as well. Let's get to our list today. And there are some really sort of different kind of things that people would not consider on the list. Uh, the first one we want to talk about today is needs analysis. And there's different terms This is said different ways. Sometimes you might just think about requirements. Um, But a needs analysis is a bit different than just getting requirements. And any design effort calls for someone to identify requirements first. If you think about the old classic illustration from Jesse James Garrett, he has his five planes. And the very first plane of that illustration shows the user needs and the site objectives. So 
You need to understand what it is that the user is trying to accomplish. What are their goals? What are their pain points? What, what, are, what, what are they trying to solve for? What type of an issue is going on? Why would they want to use this solution and how would they use this solution? You want to start to think about it from that perspective. And so when you embark upon engaging with a project, whether it is a, a new design or a redesign, you still need a triptych in a sense. You still need to know where is this project going? What is the what is the the purpose? Why are we engaging? What design problems are we solving for? And so when you take the time to find these things out, it lays a very sound foundation for the direction that you're headed. And it's going to help you to, to make it easier to achieve success down the road. And another quick little story, and I, I find it humorous today. It wasn't humorous today that happened to me, but just to show you what's going on out there with the way people think. I was working at a company once and somebody just basically took a bunch of stuff and did the equivalent of throwing it over the wall, wanting me to do some work. But I did not know what the user needs were. I didn't know what the product objectives were. I didn't know what we were solving for. I didn't know a single solitary thing. They just wanted me to design something, which is extremely amateurish. It's, it's downright ridiculous. It's asinine. And so I, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to maintain my tact and going to be professional. And I said, what are the requirements? Can you fill me in on the requirements so I know what direction we're heading uh, what it, what am I doing with this? I need, I've got a ton of expertise, but if I don't know where to go, then, you know, just expertise for nothing. It's all vanity at this point if we don't have direction. So I asked for requirements and the person made one of the most ludicrous statements I've ever heard in my entire professional career, even going back to beyond when I became a UX professional, the person said, well, the requirement is that we do it. Folks, you need real requirements. What are we trying to do today? And they say, well, we're agile, so we just need to do it. No, even if you're working in agile, that agile project still has a purpose. You're still solving design problems. You still need to understand where you're going. So we need to understand the user needs, need to understand what the objectives of that solution, what they are, and you need to get a nice sound grasp on them and then proceed. And the needs analysis, it's more than requirements because you're trying to find out what's really going on. And you're also taking the time. This is what makes it, the needs analysis a little different from requirements. In a needs analysis, and I've heard people misdefine, got to digress to say that. I have heard people use the phrase needs analysis and what they were talking about, what they were doing had nothing to do with the needs analysis. So you want to make sure that you're validating whether or not the project that you're working on is even valid. That's part of what it is to be a UX professional. We are the validators. We are the folks who will, who will confirm whether or not the direction we're going is even remotely feasible from a user perspective and sometimes from even from a business perspective. We are the ones who will push back the most in many instances because something just isn't right, something isn't clicking, something doesn't make sense, something isn't going to work, and it's because we have enough heuristic knowledge 
that will help us to to make that determination. We've done enough competitive analyses to be able to speak to such things. So a needs analysis, doing a needs analysis is critical. If you don't have the 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 psyche or the wherewithal to push back when pushing back is necessary, you are going to have a very difficult time as a UX professional, and you're going to be turned into what's happening a lot today, especially with the rise of the product designers. A lot of the product designers are order takers. Somebody tells them to do something, they just do it. If you're a UX professional and somebody tells you to do something, you start asking questions. That inquisitive nature, that curious nature that we have, that's part of what we need in our character as a UX designer, as a UX professional. We have to push back and, and validate What's going on? The business doesn't want to waste time. You don't want to waste time. Nobody wants to waste time. We know what wastes time. The more you gain expertise, the more your acumen grows, you'll be better equipped to see it. Some people, if you're entry level, you might not see it, but eventually you're going to get there just so you're aware. So a needs analysis is key. Task analysis. And this is different because you're focusing not on the whole picture, you're focusing on specific actions that users will engage in. For example, say if a person uh, was going to need to change their password in the experience. Well, that's a task. A task in its proper structure is always verb noun. Change password. So now you know that it's what, what the person is going to be doing, one of the tasks, and there's going to be a lot of tasks. But we need to now analyze this task. So we know what the task is. They're going to change their password. Well, what steps does a person have to, to, to uh, follow in order to change their password? Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I've got five tasks. Okay, good. So now that we know what those five or six tasks are, probably tops in what's likely to be the most complicated um, password change process, you want to make sure that you document, that you note each one of those tasks, or I'm sorry, the subtasks is actually what they are. So change password is the task. Each one of the steps is a subtask. And now you need to make sure that you have accounted for each one of those steps in the task analysis that the user experience of each is optimal. And I got to digress here. This is just another one of those times that it really stands out. This is it's very obvious when you think about both of these analyses that a lot of people think that UX is about making things pretty. A needs analysis and a task analysis has absolutely nothing to do with aesthetics. It has absolutely nothing to do with how things look. It has to do with how things function. And it has to do with making sure, we talked about cognitive load last week and minimizing it. When a person is performing a task, whatever the task might be, you want to make sure that the task and its accompanying subtasks all flow in a very easy and smooth manner so that cognitive load remains low. Either it's going to be minimal to none. We don't want any detracting elements within that user experience if we can help it at all. So 
You're going to do the needs analysis to take that broad look, the task analysis to look specifically at each one. And I need to focus on something else there too. When you perform a task analysis, there's another factor that comes into play there. And it has to do with micro experiences. Micro experiences are those small elements. It could be at a subtask level. It could be if you break a subtask down into parts, you will find that those are the places usually where the users get frustrated. Those are the places where where our customers are upset and then they turn around, they have a problem at, a, at the micro experience or the micro interaction level and then they end up getting upset and they'll write a review but the review is not about the micro experience. Nobody does reviews on micro experiences. Nobody rates micro experiences. They rate products. They rate brands. They get on social media. They talk about products. They talk about brands. But the problem is actually in many cases, when you take a look at it, the problem is in the micro experience. Hence, are you willing you want to be a UXer? Would you be interested in taking the time to break down something to its most granular element so that you can make sure that the experience is the absolute best that it can possibly be? This is what it means to be a UX professional. This is one of the things that we do. That attention to detail helps us to get involved from a task analysis perspective, look at the whole thing, be willing to go and conduct research to confirm that the approach that you have recommended, that it does indeed work and we have data to show that it will work. Look at those tasks, look at those subtasks, look at those micro experiences and micro interactions and make sure that you have hit the nail on the head, that you've crossed every T and dotted every I. If you have a problem with detail, then you will have a problem really designing an optimal user experience. And I, I told this one story, and we're going to end here. I told this one story, and I, I, I'll tell it again today because I'm reminded again how I told somebody once about the amount of work that I put into something to make something work, to, to achieve a very high level of success. And, and by the way, it also helps to be a high achiever. If you want to be a UX professional, if you're lazy, and this is where I'm going, if you're lazy, this is not going to work for you. If you're trying to find the easy way out, and a lot of people are getting into UX today because, as I said earlier, they think that it's easy. They think that it doesn't take anything. Oh, I can learn that really, really fast. And then when they find out how much work it really is, they start to back off. They start to lose interest. They start to try to just do things to get paid, but they're not really being uh, they're not really being uh, uh, ethical in their process. The person that I told about that work, the person's response to me was, man, that sure does sound like a lot of work. We're here to work. So if you don't want to give the sweat equity or put the sweat equity into something to make something work and to really care about the stakeholders, the business, your team members, the users. Being a UX professional is not for you. And that's fine. Uh, a lot of us have been in, in position before and we left and we went a different direction. Do that today. But if you're not ready, 
then you don't want to really be a UXer. Well, that's all the time we have for today, folks. Thanks again for joining me on today. We're signing off here. This is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.